first instance of malfeasance by the commissioner of what we're seeing. At some point, some Chinese food's going to pull up and we're going to pause the recording and eat it. Josh Groban! He's eating his own sushi! That's the most baller thing I've ever seen! Like, everyone doesn't look good naked all the time. I love this cornbread so much, I want to take it behind a middle school and get it pregnant. Cool beans, man. I live by the quarry. We should hang out by the quarry and throw things down there. What you doing? Our cats were just about to have sex. Ooh, shaking his fanny at us. <laughs> Meow. Mother, may I? Bone! This episode of After the Laugh Track was recorded a few months ago, so some references may feel dated. But hang on, enjoy the content anyway, because it is a real hoot. I might even say a hoot nanny. gentlemen welcome back sitting here doing another installment of after the laugh track with my dear pal ryan king over there hello everyone i'm Derek weber of course and today ryan we're tackling one of my favorite topics in the sitcom world and okay. that is cold opens cold opens what's wow. a, tell me about cold opens i love a good cold open in my mind a good cold open is only a minute to two minutes long, sometimes even shorter, maybe a tiny bit longer. But it's that initial scene to start the show before you roll the credits or the theme song, if the show has a theme song. Some sitcoms these days kind of just skip the whole theme song thing entirely. Right. You ever notice that most theme songs are like way too loud for the yes. energy of the show, and then you try and sleep, and you're just getting blasted by the office or especially Brooklyn Brooklyn 99 just like well, the most like annoying horn it just comes in with a yeah right yeah no that is true um that's true of a lot of music on television when it's that's just like the audio levels just too high for the songs compared to the dialogue i had a great idea that i still think would be would make a lot of money which is if i could get the rights to stream the office to have basically just a constant from see from the beginning of season one all the way through a loop with all of the themes and credits taken out taken out of the show so you just go on your computer and all or on your streaming service and it's just Non-stop, playing just it the office and it's no break nice i think it, i think that would sell yeah that might be the next evolution of like sitcom streamers that you find down the road mm-hmm. just like i mean the problem is now that Every network has their own subsidiary streaming service, so everything's just always going to remain within house forever, basically. Right, which is why, in order to do my idea, I have to buy NBC first, and that's going to be the real hurdle. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a small hurdle. Right. Like, yeah, small hurdle. But yeah, if you if you're able to acquire NBC, then I think uh, you could turn Peacock into something pretty special. Mm-hmm. Which, for the record. The Peacock Premium is one of my favorite streaming services, and I'm very grateful to pay the $5 a month because the Cock Plus is worth it. It's Yep, and I can agree with that because I use your Cock Plus. Nice. I'm, a few different people use my Cock Plus, actually. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a plus-size collection of great TV, 
Yeah, is that where you get WWE too? Yeah, WWE products are on there. Mm-hmm. The Office, Office Superfan episodes, Parks and Rec, uh, Thirty Rock, I think, is on there. Mm-hmm. I find the Superfan episodes to be interesting because I usually put The Office on while I'm like going around the house, doing the dishes, whatever, so I can hear it. But I find it distracting because I hear something that I've never seen, yeah. and I'm running into the room. Like, what is this new scene? And yeah. then I miss it, and then I rewind it, and then all of a sudden, you know. You know, uh, the dishes aren't done. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing these dishes for two hours, and I've washed two cups. That's all I've done. Shit. The same cup. The 20 same times. Yeah, just keep going back and be like, uh, this mug needs cleaning. <laughs> Shit, I just washed this mug. Shit, what just happened? I don't even recognize that Dwight scene at all. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah uh, I've been, I really enjoy the super fan episodes. So the, like, I just noticed uh, last week that season five was on there now. Yep. I had only seen seasons one through four, mm-hmm. so I'm now on like episode nine or ten of season five going through the Superfan episodes. I wonder if they're going to do it through the whole series. Does anyone really care about watching Superfan episodes of season eight of The Office? I'm sure people do. I'm sure there's enough people do that they'll do it. And they'll complain about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People will watch them and then bitch about it. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know what's going to be funny is when people are like, it's actually way better than the original cuts. It's just like more mm-hmm. James Spader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what we all need in our life. More James Spader. <laughs> more fucking James Spader. <laughs> Man. I, you know, I don't have as much of a problem with those back end seasons of The Office as some people. Obviously, it's not peak office, but like I enjoy a lot of the elements of it. Right. The extra time with Aaron is delightful. I think she's the best late, later series addition. Mm-hmm. On that show, mm-hmm. between like her and James Spader's character, and uh, the two younger guys when they right. come in, yeah, um, like she she is really great. Mm-hmm. She adds a lot of charm. She helps in the redemption of Andy that they then just fucking throw away. <laughs> I heard that was because he was in the Hangover. Is it a, was because yeah. he was in the he left to do the Hangover when they came back. The writers were like, "And you're a dick again." Right? Yeah, I just watched that again. Which the other is super night. immature writing because mm-hmm. like. Honestly, that's actually the biggest thing that rubs me wrong about the back end of The Office is that you spent like multiple seasons on the redemption of Andy Bernard to take him from completely unlikable turd to at least like relatively likable and you're kind of cheering for him and Aaron to get together and like there's all the cuteness there. Right. And then he disappears on a boat for a while and he comes back just a massive dickhole. Right. How do you feel about uh, what they did with Jim and Pam in the final season with the like the relationship internal you know discord i liked i liked the idea to have like a boom mic guy involved after all these years of like people cameramen and boom mic operators and stuff following these people around to see that one of those people are a flawed human like we all are and got engaged with the people they weren't supposed to i like that idea for the story as for like creating that much tension in the marriage i it didn't land for me It just me didn't as much. make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense if you're, I think, portraying a real relationship. Yeah. But then where's that been for the last, what, five seasons? Right. You know, since they've been together, it's been, you know, pretty gravy the whole yeah. time. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, it, it didn't land for me just the way it felt and the way it delivers. The part of it that does land for me is... They bait and switch us with Jim gives it all up, the sports dream, sports dream job and all that, to stay in Scranton to make Pam happy. And that bummed me out hard because I think true partners need to support each other's dreams. And, mm-hmm. like, you two work in an office selling paper. You, like, 
Pam, you can find a job similar to this anywhere. Move with Jim. Support his dreams. But then she does so. She goes behind his back, sells the house that he had went behind her back to buy. Mm -hmm. And so the symmetry of that and the cuteness of it at the very end works for me. But the path to get to that point does not work for me. Right. There, I mean, we could do it in probably a full episode about how Jim and Pam are really not an ideal couple. Oh, 100%. You know? We can go down that avenue yeah. for sure. Because, like, be- yes, there's moments of cuteness that, it, like, I, like, everyone gets suckered into the cuteness because I'm a romantic at heart and I love love. Much like Terry Crews, mm-hmm. your boy loves love. Mm-hmm. But... Yes, they're they're not the they're not in my pa- upper pantheon of television couples. At I all. mean, they're kind of mean. Like they're kind of mean people. Yeah, Jim's kind of a mean person. Pam is, you know, fostering this kind of thing with Jim while she's engaged. I don't know. There's a lot going on. A ton yeah. going on there. Yeah, they're not my upper pantheon of television couples. They're no Jake and Amy. They're no Ben and Leslie. They're no Nick and Jess. They're mm-hmm. no Schmidt and Cece. Hell, mm-hmm. there are no Winston and Allie. If I'm going to go down, I'll go down the whole new girl list of couples. They're all better than Pam and... Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I'm with you there. But alas, that's not why we're here today. Mm-mm. We can't do that another day, though. That sounds like fun, my friend. Yeah. I'm in on that. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I do want to start doing more episodes exploring one show at a time versus all the shows at once. Like I've, I've been doing a lot of these episodes like this with different people where... We're talking about things we love in all shows. And I love doing that as well. And we're going to continue to bring you those goodies. But I am looking forward to kind of dissecting, like, best stuff about season one of The Office. Or best, like, going through series individually and kind of, like, slowly flushing out more detailed thoughts about certain character arcs, about certain decisions like we were just talking about there. I want to do some of that deeper dive stuff. You could do, like, big moments in, like, season one, episode two, between, like, the fifth and tenth minute of... The episode. Yeah, we're going to talk about minutes highs, 5 through 10 for the, an hour. Right, the highs, the lows, the the things you didn't expect. Yeah, man, uh, I did not expect a second clock in the background. That wasn't in the first shot. Ooh, it was not in the first shot. It's fucking crazy. But let's, uh, let's try to drift into the task at hand here. Now that we've given the people a little behind-the-scenes production meeting, given them a little glimpse at our theories and ideas as we're developing this After the Laugh Track podcast experience. And I'll, I'll tell the people how we're going to do this format-wise. Ryan and I have both compiled two separate top ten lists of our favorite cold opens in sitcom history. We're going to take turns saying uh, going from ten to one. And uh, if we get to a number, like say we get to my number nine, and Ryan has it higher on his list... We, Ryan will just tell me so before we go into further details about that item. And we will wait until we get to the spot where it is ranked higher between our two lists to talk about it in detail. All right, we're not double dipping on any of these particular cold opens. We can flush out all of our thoughts about them at once at the right at one spot. Right, and neither of us know what each other's list is at all. We have yet to share that, so this is completely new to you to me exactly love a surprise mm-hmm. I, I i wanted to find out on the fly about ryan's list right. you know this could just be 10 twist endings in a row yeah you know? i mean we, who knows maybe ryan and i will have all 10 of the same and just in a different order so we'll just be doing a lot of like oh nope i got that we'll find out who knows mm-hmm. uh, but it was interesting putting these together I, I slightly said this to you off air before we got rolling but 
as I was thinking through a lot of my favorite sitcoms, there's certain shows that don't do cold opens in the cold open format to me, where there's whole longer scenes of exposition and stuff setting up the episode before the credits, rather than kind of a quick setup and punchline, which which was more what we were looking for here. Right. I mean, you could say that Game of Thrones does cold opens, but that doesn't count for what... Right. What we're looking for out of the... Yeah, a lot of dramas do this as well, where there's like a quick scene before the credits. But we're more specifically looking for like one setup to one joke and the execution of that joke as the whole cold open. Yep. So without further ado, I'm going to do our ceremonial flip as we no longer flip coins on the Good Fun Media Network. Our new rule of thumb, Mm -hmm. we flip inanimate objects. And that object in hand right now is a Bic lighter. I've got one side that says Bic... One side that does not say Bick. I'm going to flip it. You're going to call in the air Bick or back. Okay. And uh, if you win, you get to decide who goes first out of the two of us. Okay. Back. And it's a back. Ooh, nice. Ryan with the win. Nice. I will receive to start the half here. All righty. Ryan's going to start this thing on out with his number 10. Or do you want to... I know you had mentioned you had a couple overrated items. Hmm. Do you want to do overrated first or after we do the greatness? I say we do the greatness and then hit our... Uh, I have some honorable mentions, too. That oh, we could, cool. So we can maybe go right. through the overrated, the honorable mention after. Sound good? That sounds groovy. I love cool. it. All right. Number 10 for me. It's from The Office. And it is the cold open in which Jim is working at the Stanford branch and reveals that he has been sending Dwight faxes from the future Ooh, great one i do not have this on my list tell me more tell me more oh it's just it's just so funny because he's sending him these faxes and it's like it's like hello past dwight at uh, 10 o'clock this morning someone poisons the coffee do not let anyone drink the coffee and then you see dwight reading this fax and running across the floor of the office and smacking the <laughs> the cup of coffee out of stanley's hand i just think it's a, a great joke and it's boom uh theme rolls it's an outstanding cold open. It's a ton of fun. It's, it's, um, you know you're in for a great start to an Office episode, and then probably a great Office episode if it starts with a good Jim on Dwight prank. Mm-hmm. If that's your beginning point, a good, a nice, strong cold. All the Dwight pranks are great cold opens. They are. Yep. For sure. Yep, they're fantastic. Yeah, I actually have, I have one of them in my honorable mentions, in fact, mm, that we'll get to later. Okay. A little teaser for you. But uh, that is a sweet number 10. My number 10 also comes from The Office, in fact. And it is while Michael Scott has left Dunder Mifflin and taken Pam and Ryan with him for the Michael Scott Paper Company. This cold open is Kevin working the receptionist desk and having utterly no clue how to transfer calls or do any of the things a receptionist needs to do (laughs) and just dropping calls left and right as they all try to teach him for the hundredth time how to transfer phone calls. Yeah, that's a great one. That's great. And he keeps sending the call around to the wrong parts. Yeah, he sends it to the wrong person like five times. He drops a bunch of calls. He's just like so obviously the worst choice for this. And it's like... (laughs) Why would anyone in the office be like, oh, Kevin should work right. the desk? Right, right. Like, it's just. Uh, Doesn't that one end with uh, if him finally getting it to Andy, who it was meant to go yes. to, and everyone celebrates, and then it cuts to the talking head of Andy, and he's like, my maid died. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like his aunt or maid or someone close to him. Yeah, yeah, he has like a death in the family after all that. I believe you're correct. Yeah, it's good stuff. But yeah, really fun number 10. Oh, that's a great really one. enjoyable yeah, one. Yeah, we're off to a good start here. Number nine for me comes from Parks and Rec. In fact, my first few here come from both of these shows. But Parks and Rec, the Easter egg hunt. Does this ring a bell to you? Is this on your list? Uh, not on my list does ring a bell, but I'd love you to tell me more. Uh, it's it's like uh, Easter in Pawnee, and Leslie has organized this grand Easter egg hunt for all the kids of Pawnee in the park. And she assigns Tom to be the one to hide the eggs. And it, she's like, she's like uh, he, didn't, he did a really, he must have really gone all out because we can't find, no one's found any eggs yet. And then it cuts to him and like, uh, yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> And it's just what makes it really uh, great is the, the visual, which obviously we lose in a podcast where we're just talking about the episodes, but the visual of all the shots of these children running around sort of sad, like looking in all these strange places for eggs and just like, you know, panning shots of their uh, discontent faces. Uh, and I think it ends with Leslie consoling one of them. Like, don't worry, we'll find, we'll find the eggs. And, and you can see Tom in the background just shaking his head and looking at the camera. Uh, it's a great one. Oh, it's really awesome. Yeah, the disappointment of children is always <laughs> really good for comedic effect for me. Like, you can get a lot of comedic legs out of sad and upset children for me somehow, yeah. Right. I mean, that's what made The Pursuit of Happiness such a hilarious... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what the... Hilarious is the first adjective I always think of with pursuit of happiness. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right up there with Requiem for a Dream. Right, Just yeah. like constant, just laugh a minute. Right, yeah. I mean, the, I heard they were trying to do a sequel with for Requiem that was all children, but I don't know if I ever got greenlit. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> oh, God, is one of them going to get addicted to speed diet pills and get chased around by his refrigerator? I think that's the idea, but that just might be rehashing, you know. I think it's just a Pee-wee's Playoffs ripoff at that right, point. Right, right. I would like to see just a, a shot-for-shot remake with toddlers. Yeah, that's Hollywood. You're welcome for With, that. Gentleman. Excluding some scenes, of course. Yeah, like, I God, I hope so. Whew, man, didn't think about that. Yeah, didn't think. <laughs> really, didn't think that one through. But uh, yeah, I stand. By, we stand by the joke. Yeah. Still a good joke. Still a good joke. But yes, uh, sweet number nine, sir. My number nine comes from Ted Lasso. It's actually my only entry on here from Ted Lasso because it's also in the category of like longer opening scenes and a little bit more serious off the top. But this one just, it just makes me chuckle every time and it's really only one thing about it that makes me chuckle because it's otherwise a serious scene. It's from the back end of season one as coach Ted Lasso is trying to be brought to terms by his assistant coaches that Roy Kent needs to be benched. Uh, it's basically the opening montage of Roy sitting in an ice bath and the television people are talking about it and another terrible game from Roy Kent. He just seems sluggish and blah, blah, blah out there and he's upset and that's right after Ted talks to him for a quick second and then the part of it that made my list is then Danny Rojas comes walking in and he's just like, oh, football's life, amigo, as he always is, just mm-hmm. so jolly and happy while Roy's just so miserable and just jumps on the treadmill and just goes like, sings some light lyrics and then just goes, see, and it kicks into the theme music. <laughs> and it's just the jovial see that just makes right. me, for some reason, makes me giggle every time. Right. 
I think there's a theme here that we found so far, a little bit of contrast, right? There's yes. a contrast of Roy Ken and Danny Rojas just experiencing two completely different emotions in the same space. Yes. You know, and, and we see it with the Easter egg hunt. You know, we, it's... it's you make a good point there, yeah. Um, the maid dying, you know. Yeah. Well, and good comedy comes from the, unex- the unexpected. Right. You know, and uh, especially if you're trying to set up something funny in a short amount of time like we're talking about here, then yeah, you need to kind of play with expectations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And contrast does that well. But yeah, that Ted Lasso scene just yeah. makes me chuckle. And honestly, I just wanted an, ex- an excuse to get Ted Lasso on the list somewhere because I love it so yep. much. I saw Derek made a post uh, like last week or two weeks ago talking about the potential of a season four of Ted Lasso because it has been intended or from the beginning was uh, uh, announced as a three-season three They're still saying it's, there, it's three seasons, and they've filmed it at this point. So like... Good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's probably for the best. It'll just go down as an all-time great show because it didn't overstay its welcome. But, like, 34-ish episodes is not going to be enough for me. My my heart needs more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, but I don't want to see it. Yeah, lose. I don't want to get dragged. I don't want it to get dragged for, like, multiple more seasons. But I think there's room for a fourth and for it to maintain this high standard of quality that it's set for mm-hmm. itself. I don't know. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. You know, if once once I see season three, my heart just might be like, that was perfect, and it's fine that it's over. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be doing week-to-week recaps of Ted Lasso season three here at After the Laugh Track, because I love the show too much. That, that it'll be the first show that we ever do this format wise with, but we are definitely covering every Ted Lasso as it comes out. Perfect, and that has not been announced yet. Is that we don't know it's, when? It's still they they're still saying a late fall or early winter release, so like okay. November ish. Great, right? Something to warm our hearts in these cold Michigan months here. That's true. We do need the heart warmth in a big way. Mm-hmm. And that's my number nine. Great number eight for me comes from the office, and it's the classic. Foreman Grill fiasco. Ooh, not on my list either. Uh, in my honorable mention. So I'll, okay. I'll, I'll delete that off of there because you've got it higher. But yeah, okay. let's talk cool. about it. I just think that it's it's just such a classic Michael uh, opening. You know, Michael is the star of the show, obviously. In my, in my opinion, he's obviously the star of the show. And uh, the most, one of the great TV characters of all time. And it's just such an iconic thing of He's him. He's the straw that stirs the drink. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, Jim is the shot of whiskey in the cocktail. The rest of the cast are the mixer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael stirs the drink. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Yep, I agree with that. I'm trying to think. I'm thinking of all these cocktail things now. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, cocktails. <laughs> the Foreman Grill fiasco when Michael infamously... Uh, closes his foot getting out of bed into the George Foreman grill is just, I mean, one of the things I like about it that will be recurring as through later on my list is the sort of the chaos that emerges right from the beginning of the show where it's a quiet morning at the office and then Pam picks up the phone and it's a screaming Michael talking about how he's badly injured. And that, you know, it, it's just like, okay, here we go. And that leads into the talking head of Michael explaining seemingly kind of shocked that anyone would even question it why his foreman grill was next to his bed at all oh yeah (laughs) it just seems like so obvious to him like of course right he's like what does he says he says like i like waking up to the to the smell of of bacon sue me (laughs) so every night i put these bacon strips out on my foreman grill and the fact that he wakes up early to close to turn the grill on and close it and then goes back to sleep 
to wake up to the smell. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a glimpse into his private life, which is something that I think uh, really shines in the office is these moments in the early seasons when you get uh, a glimpse into what these people are like outside of the work environment and looking at his life. It's, there's just so many more questions about what is what is up with this Michael Scott guy. And uh, that's that's number eight for me. It's a fantastic, fantastic cold open. Hilarious scene. Hilarious episode. I mean, he's tough. Yeah. Like he's trying to gain sympathy for being a cripple. He brings in that guy with a wheelchair uh, who's pissed because right. someone Michael parked in his fucking handicap spot. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then Dwight has the concussion the entire time. Yeah. That's like yeah. The, the B plot. <laughs> The Dwight concussion B plot's great. Yeah. Uh, Pam say Pam saying to Dwight, "I'll miss you." Yeah. At the end, because right. she realized yeah. she realizes because he's, he's been super nice to her the whole episode. <laughs> right. And it gives her like a couple very sweet, right. very sincere compliments. And I like how the way that it wraps up in that show or in that episode is Michael feeling miraculously better, but it's because Ryan has crushed up all the baby aspirin and put it into his pudding. <laughs> and it's like it's just like I do with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's great stuff great cold open so my number eight now jumping over to brooklyn nine nine it's why is amy late this is an episode mm-hmm. in which uh jake brings to everyone's attention that amy santiago is late she's never late folks so she he's trying he's drawing ideas from around the room as Jake does with these situations. He's ve- here's what I like about Jake Peralta so much. He's a leader in only the fun ways. Like he's there to lead all the shenanigans but does not want to be a leader for anything serious. But he's such a captivating leader when he's like excited about one of these fun things. He draws everyone's attention so well. He's positive, he's inclusive. It's wonderful. It's delightful stuff. So everyone's making their guesses about why Amy's late. And Captain Holt comes up in very classic Captain Holt form. Why is everyone standing around talking? Blah, blah, blah. Jake explains the situation. And to everyone's surprise, Captain Holt goes, huh, sounds fun. I'd like to play. (laughs) And he stands there for a few seconds thinking and goes, she had a problem at the bank. Wow, that was fun. (laughs) <laughs> and he's just like genuinely overjoyed by how much fun he just had taking a guess that Amy was late because she was having a problem at the bank. Right. Such... And sure enough, she comes walking in. Amy, why were you late? I was late by like 45 seconds. What's the problem? You'll tell us now. Takes advantage <laughs> of being captain. Yeah. And she mentions the bank. And he goes, huzzah! <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and he's huzzah. just so excited. It's the first time uh, they gave us a few hints at it before the reveal in one of the later seasons that Holt had the gambling problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is one of those rare little mm. glimpses where you kind of like, you, you notice that he gets, he's he's hyper competitive. Right, right. Cold, I never noticed that. A consistent character quality of Captain Holt by like season two, because season one, they pretty strictly just hang on the he's a robot thing. Mm-hmm. But from season like two on, where they start to kind of loosen him up in certain moments and give him a bit more humanity in these moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout the run, his hyper competitiveness 
really is a consistent trait. Right. But yeah, that moment of elation from being right about the fucking bank. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. I think that Brooklyn Nine-Nine cold opens might have the most of these, I don't know what the term is, so I'm going to use it probably incorrectly, but like jump cuts. Basically, the, the joke hits, and before you even, you know, like this joke of, of his reaction, huzzah, and before you really even have time to process it, we're in the that quick transition that sort of like accentuates the the joke and i think that brooklyn 99 does that quite a bit i can think of a couple other examples but i don't want to mention them in case they're later on your list or mine so that's a great one yeah ton of fun hilarious one cracks me up and not the only time you'll see brooklyn 99 on my list no no my list is uh i'm gonna sound like a broken record hopefully that the listeners are not don't think I only watch these two shows, but my number seven comes from Parks and Rec. So my first four have been uh, just these two shows, but it will change. Have no fear. Indeed. Seven. Lucky number seven. Parks and Rec. Ron pulling out his tooth. Uh, I have this higher. Cool. I had a feeling. I feel like we're as we get closer to we're one, gonna we're start, gonna start. We're gonna hit a few overlaps here yes. for sure. We're bound to. Right. But yep, I do in fact have that higher. So let's hear your seven then. My number seven, you probably don't have because I don't believe that you're a new girl guy. I'm not a new girl guy. I'm just a new guy. Yeah. Well, I recommend checking out New Girl. Season one's like okay to decent. It's, season one's a lot like the quality level of like Parks and Rec season one. Where it's like on its way to a really funny thing, and you can tell that the pieces are in play. It just hasn't all assembled yet. That's what I but, watched the first maybe four episodes yeah. of it when it was airing, nice. and decided yeah. it wasn't for me. But yeah. you know, season two, the character Winston Bishop takes this weird lunatic turn. He gets a cat early in the season, and from the time he gets a cat on, he just becomes a different character. That's just like one of the weirdest people on television, and it's awesome. Cool. And it takes the show from, like, kind of funny to one of my favorite shows. And from, like, season two onward, New Girl is elite-level sitcom for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I highly recommend checking it out. If, uh, if you ever want to give it a second chance, New Girl is a lot of fun. Well, my lady is out of town right now for the next few nights, so I'm, I'm stag. You know, I'm sitting, stag, here, sitting here lonely, you know, huddled under a blanket. Yeah. I might need some, some new sitcom okay. love. I, uh, I recommend giving it a second go. Like I said, it's one that you got to be patient because it's also a full-length first season, unlike Parks, where that's six episodes and then season two starts. Mm-hmm. New Girl's like a 20-episode first season. And it's got its hits and misses. It's all kind of funny, but season two on is really where it like goes from funny to hilarious in cool. my book. So in, in one of those moments, in the latter run, uh, Nick Miller... Comes in the room with serious news and tries to tell his roommates that his father has just died. But meanwhile, his roommates have just been huffing a bunch of helium balloons. So they go to comfort him and they all just have helium laden voices like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Nick, we're so sorry. And it's just like, as we were talking about contrast earlier. Right. It's actually, this is another great one in the contrast category because you go from a few seconds of silly with the roommates to Nick coming in with dead dad. To them just trying to be able to comfort him, uh-huh. but they've all got well because then none of them say anything at first, and the, and he's like, "Is someone going to say something?" And they speak up, and they all have fucking healing <laughs> voices. It's, it's a funny little bit. It's a very quick one. It's like a thirty second one, mm-hmm. which is great. A lot uh, of very quick cold open, and then just into the show. Right, a lot of fun. Before we started recording, we were having a, a 
detailed, very, uh, I don't know, enlightening discussion about Failure to Launch, starring Matthew McConaughey, and I totally forgot that Zoe Deschanel is in that movie. Is she really? Yeah, she is. She oh. plays uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's roommate, who they're ah. trying to... Have you seen Failure to Launch? No, I've never seen that movie. No, I have not. <sighs> what no. are you doing? And I'm clearly missing out. I mean, I'm, pro, I'm pro Matthew McConaughey, but that is one of the rom-coms of his era that I missed. That failure to launch is Jake's witness protection identity's favorite movie. I know. I remember yeah, that. I do recall. <laughs> it's not Die your, Hard. Your favorite movie is failure to launch. <laughs> Say it. Yeah. Say your favorite movie is failure to launch. Right. My favorite movie is failure to launch. I'm. I, she's going to listen to this and know that I've been misleading her, but I've pretty successfully convinced my girlfriend, Grace, that it won Best Picture in... 2006, which I'm not even sure if it came out in 2006. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been The Aviator what in 2006. Odd, what an oddly specific prank. I know. It's really only for my entertainment. Yeah, I mean, the funny part is that you could have also Googled what year it came out before trying I know, this. yeah. I'm very confident it's later than 06. Yeah, I think... I think you're yeah. off by at least like three years. I yeah. Wonder, like, I feel like that was like 09 or so. Yeah, I could. Again, I've never seen it, so I, I mean, don't know. yeah. But he's timeless, Matthew McConaughey. You know? Well, that's true. I give you that for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matthew McConaughey. Yep. What a dreamboat. Oh, God. Good looking man still. Killing it. Yep. He's a role model. All are, right, all right, all right. Are we on six? Uh, yeah, we're on your number six now. I just gave my number seven. My number six comes from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it's really just for the one joke, and it's so, uh, it's almost, it's very easy to miss this joke, but it's the beginning of one of my favorite episodes, I think it's entitled The Box, which is when they're, it's all done in the interrogation room uh, with a, a dentist. Phenomenal episode. Just a standout uh, episode. Which, which open is this, though? This is when Holt is in a tuxedo. And he's they're they're both looking in at the suspect through the uh, one way one way mirror. I'm pretty sure I don't have this. Okay. On the okay. Yeah. yeah. And so there, Holt has tickets to go see the opera, with um yes, Ke- with I, Kevin with Kevin. I yeah. do not have this on my list. Yeah. And he's reminiscing about how he just loves interrogation and you know doing all the interrogation things and and uh, there's a couple good jokes. I'll get to the, my favorite. The whole reason I put it on here at the end, but one of them that I remember is. Actually, maybe this might not be the same episode, but there is an opera joke in Brooklyn Nine-Nine somewhere where Jake's like, ooh, is it the one with Bugs Bunny? Is it the one that Bugs Bunny sings? And Holtz goes, yes. <laughs> it's like the only opera Jake knows, and it just happens to be... <laughs> Got it. Yeah, Ride of the Valkyries. Yeah, very resentful, yes. Yep, gotta love Wagner sometimes. Um, but the the joke is when uh, that I love is when... Holt decides, For those like, of you that don't know, Ryan is a classically trained musician. Yes. So he he's more in tune with the Holt side of this than the Jake side of this. And sidebar to that, my both my parents are classical musicians. And my mom is an oboe player and professor. So what I, how I got them into Brooklyn Nine Nine was the episode with where they're uh, hired to find the, the Franz Bruchheim. Yeah. And there's all these great reed jokes and oboe jokes throughout. <laughs> and then at the very end, the, the, they hire like a classical quartet to come in. And they're like stealing everything out of the break room. <laughs> classical musicians are monsters. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. But the joke at the end of this cold open is when Raymond Holt decides to stay and help with the interrogation with Jake. And you can, and you can hear him, almost as the music I think is fading in, on the phone with Kevin. He goes, hello, Kevin. Yes. 
This is Raymond Holt. I will not be attending the opera tonight, but the tickets are under my name. That's H O L. And then it cuts. <laughs> cuts to the, explain. The, the voicemail to his husband. Yes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's phenomenal stuff. The, uh, uh, that's a consistent bit through Brooklyn Nine Nine that always tickles me. Is like uh, sincerely Raymond Holt at the end of all of his text messages. <laughs> yeah. uh, like it's just his refusal. To get on board with any level of slang is just mwah, chef's mm-hmm. kiss. It's wonderful mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> nice. That's a strong number seven. Dig that. Love the nine nine That's six. six. Or six, I'm sorry. Uh, my number six is the Dwight Fire Drill on The Office. I have that higher. Alrighty. We'll move on for now then. Up to your number five. Folks, we're at the top five. Top five. Hot dog, hot dog, mm-hmm. hot diggity dog. Lucky number five. Okay, so Mambo this, number five. Mambo number five. Yes. Ooh. Mm. Um, this comes from probably my favorite show, and it's the only appearance of this show on the list because, like we were talking about earlier, some shows uh, have the style of cold open that we're kind of talking about, and others do not so much. But this is from Thirty Rock, and I don't believe you have any Thirty Rock. I have Rock. no Thirty Rock on my list, in spite of trying to find some, and I just couldn't like. Right. Yeah. Eh, hit so, me. Which one? It's all right. So it's later, later in the series when uh, Liz and Chris, with two S's, are living together, and it's the Valentine's Day episode, and just start, just the whole episode starts with this fantastic joke where it shows Liz asleep, and Chris runs up, and he goes, he shakes her awake, and he goes, Liz, there's someone in the house. <laughs> And then it pans back to Chris, and she's like freaking out, and he's got a guitar, and he's like, someone who thinks you're special in every single way. And I'm going to keep going because it's funny. Someone who wants to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. And the chorus goes here. Yeah, this is where the chorus goes. I didn't have time to write it, but the chorus goes here. Yeah, this is the chorus. <laughs> and she stops him. <laughs> uh, that's uh, the James Masterson character, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I thought he... I think he's such a great actor. I love it, like... Also a dreamboat. Oh, he's up there, such a sexy dude. Oh my, oh, my God. Good Lord. Yeah, but, like, I think he's so funny on 30 Rock for that whole se- for that whole final run. I thought he was such, like... A uh, interesting and surprising choice for Liz's final match, but also like perfect. Works really well. Love them as a mm-hmm. couple. Very cute. Uh, like he's funny in a, like weird kids movie stuff like Sonic and all that. He's awesome on Westworld and a combination of like badass and like a character you feel for, mm-hmm. have, uh, all while p- portraying a robot. Have like, you seen Dead to Me? Have you watched that show yet? Dead to Me on Netflix. I've not. No. Oh, fantastic! You got to get on that. But nice. he's he's in that right. too. Sweet. It's... Yeah, I love that. I love that dude. I'll watch that for yeah. sure. One of my one of my favorite Chris Chrisisms or lines about Chris is when uh, uh, Liz Lemon is being pretty coy about letting Jack know because she knows he's going to disapprove. Yep. And he goes, she goes, well, his name is Chris, and tries to keep talking, and Jack just goes, how do you spell that? And she's like, looks bashfully away. She says, "No H and two S's." <laughs> uh, the the Liz and Jack dynamic oh, is one of my favorite dynamics in sitcom history. Me like, too. Because it's this combo of like mentor, mentee, slash bully and victim, mm-hmm. slash like reluctant friends. Right, and never romantic. 
Yeah, which I think never, is very never cool. for a millisecond, which right. is so cool and mm-hmm. so uncommon. It's in the uh, it's in the rare category with Ron and Leslie. Essentially, I was going to bring like, up Ron and Leslie too, but like there's their dynamics very different from this one still. Mm-hmm. Both wonderful. Uh, Ron and Leslie again, another friendship that's all timer for me, but in very different ways. Similar in the never remotely sexual for a millisecond aspect, mm-hmm. right? But very different mentor mentee mm-hmm. relationship, right? It's just two strong people. Yeah. You know, it's tr- with different strengths. One of the things that I, I think about this quite often, more often than I probably should, that I would just absolutely love to see that'll never happen is any type of interaction between Jack Donaghy and Ron Swanson. I would yeah. just love to watch that. I would watch an entire episode of. We've talked about that. this before. You, you round it out with Captain Holt and you just like oh, have yeah. this trio of powerful leadership men meet. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I want to see that so badly. And all so different. They would hate each other. Yeah, um... I think. I don't know. I guess... I don't know. Maybe they Maybe they. Well, because, like, Ron's pretty pro-capitalism. Right. Like, so I don't think he'd hate Jack in those ways. Right. He might think he's, like, a fucking, like, city boy twat. Yeah, I think but, that would be the, the gripe. But I think he'd respect his power and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Jack would low-key kind of admire Ron. Hmm. Like, Jack's got that thing in him where he kind of admires, like, alpha male types. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like, Jack's definitely got a little bit of that. And, like, Ron is, like, the epitome of alpha male. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good like, point. Pres- I, re- with I a lot redact of my they would hate each other. I redact my they would hate each other statement. But I think that it would be, there's so many avenues for arguments to, yeah, you tons. know, disagreement. When you have that, those three strong people butting heads, it would just be so oh, yeah. entertaining. So entertaining. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Because we obviously get to we get to see Captain Holt meet Nick Offerman, obviously as ex boyfriends, which is mm-hmm. a great great episode of Park <laughs> or a great episode of B Nine Nine. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that's a really funny one. All three of those are amazing actors too. Oh, phenomenal They're actors fin- for yeah, sure. Great. Uh, we're at my Mambo Five now, eh? Mm. Mine is delete all pictures of Ron. That's in my honorable mentions, so I'll strike it from honorable mentions. Nice. So this one um, is one of my favorite cold opens for several reasons. It's when Ron learns what cookies are. He learns about the existence of cookies. I think I'm combining two things when I say delete all pictures of Ron. I think you are. I think, I think I'm that's when he's talking things. to a yeah, phone. He's talk- yeah, <laughs> yeah, a he, yeah, he's talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like talking. Yeah, I am. So ignore that part of this because it's real. It's the he learns what cookies are from April, and she's like, "Oh, you think that's interesting? Go to Google Maps and type in your address." And he goes there, and he finds that there's a picture of his house from the sky and from the street view. Just like out in the world that people can find, mm-hmm. and he just like unhooks his whole desktop computer and just like walks it out to the dumpster and throws <laughs> yeah. it away. And it's funny because it's Ron and it's just so fitting of his character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a, it's just a funny ass scene. Yep. Uh, April and her continued coaching of Ron on mo- the ways of modern young people. Mm-hmm. Cause he's just so clueless to the ways of the young and April is the most Ron like person in the office. So she, while being young, so she's able to kind of understand all the things he hates, which is everything, mm-hmm. and kind of coach him through what young people do. Pretty much any instance where Ron is put in a position where someone else has his information or threatens to have his information is Outstanding hilarious. Yeah. There's the I was watching the episode earlier today where um, 
he has the flu or something, and Anne is his nurse and trying to like, get all this oh, important medical. All this medical. redacted medical information. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that shit's hilarious. Um, Leslie finding out his birthday and torturing him all day before giving him a perfect Ron Swanson birthday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hilarious and super cute all at once. And the ultimate Ron Swanson secret, <laughs> Duke Silver. Yes. You know. And uh, April's privy to that from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We find out, which is super cool. Like, cause her his, her mom's a big fan of the Duke. Mm-hmm. I dig your groovy tunes, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I dig your groovy tunes. Uh, I do want to shout out though, just because I mentioned it now already. The delete all pictures of Ron cold open is equally hilarious, and I kind of I had these two as one, so I was ranking it so high because of that. Mm-hmm. So, so that I'm one's gonna, a cold. That's a cold open too. That is a cold open as well. I'm like ninety percent sure he accidentally takes a vine of himself in the process, and then. Um, Tom and Donna take vines of themselves standing next to Ron. Delete all pictures of Ron. Delete all pictures of Ron. It's all just, it's hilarious. But I'm like, I combine two cold opens, which mm-hmm. is why it's ranked as high as it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, those two combined are my number five then. Good. Very good to me. <laughs> Love a weird cheat code I did on accident. Yep. That worked. But yeah, those right. two cold opens combined, because they're kind of at the same point. Right. And just but, like Mambo number five, it's always better to do two of them. You know, hey, listen to it twice. Yep, yeah. If you're gonna listen to that bad boy once, just hit repeat and run it back yep. again. Yep, yep. There All you right. go. Yep. Those are my number five. Coming up on number four for me, The Office, the opening of season four, in which Michael hits Meredith with his car. Is this on your list? Not on my list. Not on his list. We have some different tastes. That's nice. That That's is what nice. makes the world go different strokes for different folks. I can't, I can't even bring up, I used to watch Different Strokes all the time, and I was watching it as a kid when, that's when my parents decided to do the uh, whole sex talk with me, and that just kind of tainted Different Strokes. Oh, that's a shame. I know, I was like, I just wanted to watch Gary Coleman, and they're, you know, yeah, talking to me about all this stuff. So, now you guys all know that about me, and in this opening, uh, of course, Michael famously hits Meredith with his car, but it, what makes it so great is, one, again, the contrast of the sort of morning routine that Michael is explaining and going through at his house. We get a, like a, another glimpse into his home life, this time with Jan present, because Jan has been fired um, from corporate and is living with Michael in uh, Scranton. Um, and then you see the contrast of you know him hitting Meredith, which is a, a good physical joke in itself, but what makes it funny for me is all the things that we see about Michael's home life with Jan that later become the premise, essentially, of maybe the best episode of The Office of all time, the dinner party. Yeah, it's, That's equally, up there. it's equally amongst the best and is the most cringe. Yeah. Like, people always talk about, like, Scott's Tots is cringe, and it's a, that one is as well. And uh, what's another one? Like, uh, Diversity Day. Oh, I love that. Uh, th- those those are all amongst the most cringe, but I think Dinner Party wins the most cringe by a mile. Yeah, and the super fan episode of it is even further. Oh <laughs> yeah, whoa, yeah, it's so much discomfort. They, they just make you just bathe in the discomfort. I love it. Well, some of the some of the things that I love about this uh, cold opening in season four, episode one, fun run, um, is he's sitting there eating a bowl of cereal, and he goes like, "Domestic bliss." Jan made me breakfast this morning as he's eating this bowl of cereal. <laughs> and she's like, well, she bought the milk. It's soy. <laughs> and shows a gallon of soy milk. Jan did not, in fact, make him the bowl of cereal. And then he, t- he takes 
takes the camera crew upstairs to and he's and Jan is asleep like haphazardly in the bed sprawled out the room is a mess and he's like this is why I do it this is what I have to come home to <laughs> she probably won't be up for a few hours as <laughs> he's on his way to work you know this woman who's been who's gone from corporate like headhunter essentially you know she's this strong executive type and has been is now like sleeping theoretically until noon in a messy house in Scranton with Michael Scott it's just like oh my god so and then you cap it all off of course with him turning into the parking lot and <laughs> slamming into Meredith with his car <laughs> you see her red hair just like sprawl out on the windshield <laughs> okay it's, here we go yeah. season four season four here we go <laughs> yeah um Season four and five are the sweet spot of the office, right? Like for me personally, like that's that's the best that's the best of the show. Yeah, for me it's three and four, but okay, that's five fair. is great too. Two is also great. The, the seasons on either side of that yeah, window. I mean it's yeah. really all the way through six is the top tier of the office, and then like seven onward is where right. we trickle two down. Two through six, two through six, golden yeah. era. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a strong I think that's accurate two right. th- two through six i think is the golden era right i, I agree with that yeah, that's more season than... one i'm i'm not a season one hater like some i enjoy season one of the office still but it's not as good as the rest right or it's not as good as that era yes yeah. it's still finding its way there right for me it it takes a downturn when holly is introduced but then holly leaves and it upswings again i like holly but the dynamic between the two of them is not my favorite um one thing it does to the show is it pulls Michael away from the rest of the office more often. Less right. of his stories are about him trying to entertain the entire office like they so often are. Right. Because he's trying so hard to entertain her specifically. Of course. Right. That makes sense. And so he I also, think that, I know. think that's the dynamic shift that you kind of feel. Right. And we start to see him, you know, he all, I have the conviction that he's always a good guy who makes some questionable decisions, but you really start to see him trying to make the right decision more which as great as it is as as a character arc for me leads to it being a little less funny a little more tame a little more maybe domestic which you know my some of my favorite episodes of the office are like the cringy ones the really wild ones like diversity day yeah so that's just Um, my taste i guess i think i i love the cringy episodes of the office as well because i think that of the of the comedy television the office does cringe the best they make you feel it in the most awkward and weird ways it sits in your bones a different level like while still maintaining the humor and a lot of that is because of jim's little micro glances at the camera and all those little things where they break the fourth wall help so much with that cringe comedy landing in ways that i think shows that don't have that fourth wall breaking can do the same mm-hmm. yep i agree with that <clears throat> but uh i just noticed while you were giving me your number four i have two number fours here you had two number fives too it's kind of funny so you really you had, this is your top four top 12, 12 yeah. yeah so my bad there the two number fives was on accident just as i merged two things into one scene <laughs> and this one i just literally typed out the number four two different times in a row. right we could go you know ten nine eight seven six five four three two one zero negative one I guess. I mean, I'll just get both my number fours now. And then okay. that way we're both together on top three, two, one. Perfect. Because I don't want to call anything negative one. Because then that just feels like a bad one, you know? So if you're going to do this, which I approve of, I have been torn between number three and they're very similar. Ooh. So maybe I will yeah, you can drop give, them both. You can give both. Absolutely. Love it. Yep. 
Yeah, I like breaking my. I like I like setting rules on these shows and then breaking them. I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Like whether on accident or on purpose, uh, I'm I'm just fine of you know rules are meant to be broken. Let's it's, it's our show. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Damn right. Yeah, that's right. So my uh, my two number fours, um, I got. I'm gonna rank them in my head right now. Four point five and four. Yeah, four point five is Ducky Tie. From How I Met Your Mother, and actually the only appearance of How I Met Your Mother on my list. Um, that's one that they typically have longer scenes. It's, no, it's not as often one joke. There's usually a lot. This one, they're all sitting together at a Benihana-type restaurant, essentially. Mm. Uh, so it's technically two scenes, but it's still only about two minutes total, and it all sets up this one bit. So first they're sitting around deciding where to go eat. And then... They very quickly decide on this Benihana type establishment. And while they're there, uh, this is in the middle of a plot point where Neil Patrick Harris's character, Barney, was forced to wear a ducky tie every day for a full year. He's got this like, it's like a bright rubber ducky. baby. It's like bright baby blue with a bunch of rubber duckies on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had lost a bet, so he had to wear the ducky tie for a full straight year. And he's been trying to find ways to get out of the ducky tie bet ever since, basically. And so he tells this long-winded story that's acted out of him saving this little boy's life on a rooftop. And he had to, like, dangle the tie over this edge as this kid was, like, dangling from a fucking, like, giant, like, huge skyscraper in New York City. And then the ducky tie gets uh, picked up and carried away by birds at the end of this, like, just crazy, ridiculous, made-up, obviously, story. And then the gang, rather than just be like, that's obviously a lie, starts to dissect the story in a couple funny ways. And it's just like, it's it's good candor amongst their group. And it's a hilarious made-up story by Neil Patrick Harris. And the little <laughs> and the little kid that's acting it out is also just quite funny. So it just kind of, I wanted to find a way to get High Met Mother on there. And I think that's the best cold open they've got. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great. So one of the later, it's like season seven of the, of the nine seasons, like season seven, I believe, and uh, it's just a damn funny scene. Yeah. Uh, by the end of that episode, you find out there was a longer con in play that led to him getting getting to Benihana, because a side bet emerges involving uh, Marshall's wife Lily flashing him, who's pregnant at the time. There's a like that episode snowballs very quickly, cool. and but it's amongst one of the better How I Met Your Mothers because. It's one, whenever they're, they get trapped, How I Met Your Mother does this thing really well in certain episodes, where one person's trying to tell a story, and takes the whole episode to tell a story, because a bunch of weird sidebar interruptions keep coming mm-hmm. along. Mm-hmm. And then the B and C plots just exist in the, wait, 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 in, in the pullback moments. Right, right, right. Um, <clears throat> like, they play with time really well on that show in moments, and mm-hmm. this episode's a strong example of that, where like... They, they bounce around the timeline a lot with the very long-winded story that's mm-hmm. being told. I think that hibachi restaurants like Benihana are great scenes or great settings to, to play scenes. Because if you've ever been to a Benihana, you know that unless you have a full party of seven or whatever, you're stuck with you're yeah, eating. You're sitting up there with some strangers. Right. And there's very few places. I mean, I guess a bar, you know, but you're you're all kind of facing each other and you don't know these people and you're all eating together. It can lead to some... I mean, there's the Office episode. Yeah, the Office has the Benihana Christmas. Right, and that's where Dwight gets seated on the other side of the couple. Uh, yep. The- uh, also, I think... I don't know if this happens in a in a Benihana type establishment, but there's also the episode where Michael falls into the pond. Mm-hmm. Or into that, like, koi pond. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. I assume that's in one of those type of restaurants as well, I think. It might be. It's either that or like a business park or something. Yeah, I, I didn't. I don't remember the precise setting. It just made me think of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you've ever watched the show My Wife and Kids with Damon Wayans back in like late 90s, early aughts, no. there's an episode that they go to a Benihana that's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good setting. There's a 30 Rock episode with Benihana when Tracy Morgan has all the... Uh, <laughs> Benihana got paid in Benihana gift yep. cards for the commercial, and they're going to expire the next day. Yep, so I'm just go there to buy <laughs> To eat like $10,000 yeah. worth of food. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, just a side note, I think my favorite episode of 30 Rock is the one with Tracy's fake son trying to start his businesses, <laughs> and they're all yeah. just like named after things that yeah. already exist. Right. And I'll call it staples right yeah right like, and then the other one he's like it's like a it's like a phone service where you can call in to get air quality measurements i'm gonna call it american airlines <laughs> it's like, it's so like, yeah. that whole running bit yeah. and like the godzilla right. rip off restaurant yeah. it's all just so goddamn funny right and he's like he's like and here comes godzilla with one l <laughs> <laughs> Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Oh, it's Mecha Godzilla with one yeah. L. I wanted to, I wanted to go Welcome. Eat Thank there. you for coming to Staples. <laughs> I wanted to go eat there so bad. I was like, I'd love to be yeah. in a restaurant and watch this. Have you ever been to like, like a medieval times or like a themed restaurant? Um, in middle school on one of like our class trips, like mm-hmm. it was like either seventh grade Chicago or eighth grade Washington mm-hmm. DC trip. Yes. Medieval I, times is pretty legit. It was pretty fun, it's man. Pre- it is fun. I had a good time. The show was good. The food was good. I was down. Yep. There's a great scene in the movie uh, Cable Guy with Jim Carrey when they're at medieval times and wind up fighting in the pit. Yeah. That's great. And then uh, I was just going to share that I went on a, also on a high school trip to New York City, Times Square, and the, the trip had us eating at this restaurant called Mars 2112, which I think is gone. I kind of hope it's gone it was not very good um but it was yeah, you know it's you, like, mars you know you went down maybe like uh you got in a, in a space elevator <laughs> and then went down probably a floor but really you went to space of course, and you man. emerged in this mars cavern and all the waiters are have like you know they're either like astronauts or aliens and Sweet. everything on the menu it was just like space eggs like space <laughs> steak and eggs like space you know, hash just browns. <laughs> just the word space in front of everything. Yeah, right. It was so. Didn't bad. try very hard on the naming. Yeah, I was excited because Twenty One Twelve is one of my favorite albums by Rush. I'm like, okay, this is like a oh, cool, Rush restaurant. Like Fuck they're, yeah. Yeah, they're nodding to you know, hopefully Rush, and it's just they did not do that band. Did they justice. even play any Rush while you were there? No, it was just space noises. Well, uh, that's that's a shame. Which there aren't any noises in space, but yeah. everyone knows what we talk about when everyone knows what I mean when I say space noises. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, lasers. <laughs> yeah, theremin. Right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of theremin. <laughs> a lot of theremin in space for there sure. Is. Yep, it's... Yeah, it's really weird how popular the theremin is out there. <laughs> yep. Actually, it's not that weird. The theremin's dope. Mm-hmm. Was that? Did you do both your number fours? Oh no, I'm sorry. Okay. That was well, that, that was, was the first just... of my number fours. Oh yeah, then we got talking about yeah, Japanese then... steakhouses. First. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an exciting topic. Hibachi restaurants. Dude. I love them, dude. I want to go. I haven't been to one in a you, while. Let's go to Hibachi soon, dude. Let's make plans to go to Benihana. I would. Yeah, man. Let's go. Benihana. Well, I've been to other places. I went to the most famous place in Vegas that the celebrities go to. I've been to the one here down the street. Nothing compares to Benihana. There's uh, some rocks in Benihana. There's Benihana and Parks and Rec too with Jam. Oh yeah, he wanted his own kid, his version of Hibachi yeah. anyway. Right, I saw my authentic right. scrambled eggs. Right, and then at the end, when okay. at the final episode, when they're like doing like the future breakdown of where everyone is, he's a Benihana chef. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good pull. Yeah, good pull. 
And good for Jeremy Jam. I'm <laughs> glad to see him chase his dream in the end. Yep. Okay, all right. My other number four. So I guess the true number four. Holt Marshmallows. It's in my honorable mentions. Okay. And I will quickly explain that there's that this and one other in my honorable mentions are not on my list because of prior conversations that you and I have had expressing love for these two particular you kinda, cold opens. I just kind of knew I was going to take I them. I just had a feeling, and I wanted to make sure that we were uh, diversifying a I little bit here. I respect that. Well, thanks, buddy. But I would love to hear you talk about it. Yeah. So, in this one, um, Charles and Jake and the whole gang are sitting around talking about marshmallows. Well, eating marshmallows and stuff. And, Which is, uh, as someone does at a as workplace. They do. And they're all pontificating, eventually, about what Captain Holt's reaction to eating a marshmallow would be. And, uh, well, the, I'm sorry, it's an impressions contest. They all have to do an impression. They, like, pick a thing, like, of uh, Holt eating a marshmallow. And they all, and, like, you know, they all do some pretty stereotypical Holt things, like, oh, this round of two's object is fluffy in my mouth and <laughs> tastes rather sugary. And, like, you know, give right. some pretty good Holt impressions across the board. And Charles <laughs> eats it and just goes, mm, 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 and just makes like this weird whimsical pony noise, yeah. essentially. And uh, it's and everyone's just like, that's a terrible impression. Everyone rags on Charles hard. And then Captain Holt comes in and uh, he asks what they're doing. And they just go, uh, eating marshmallows. Would you like one? And... Uh, Marshmallow. A marshmallow, sure. <laughs> I've never tried this before. And he pops it in his mouth and starts chewing on it, and it like almost identically makes the noises Charles <laughs> predicted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I also really like Charles' reaction when they all mock him on that. He's like, I can see him doing that. Right, yeah. And then he goes, I knew it. And then it cuts immediately. That's what I'm talking about. The jump yes. cut, that the snappy. Jump cut. Yeah. They do it right at the end of jokes so many times right. where they hit the big joke and just immediately. Right. Yeah. And it just makes you so hyped to watch that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in. Fuck yeah. Fucking go. Yeah, but yeah, the marshmallow one, it just tickles me in all the right ways. It's so funny. Because, yeah, the payoff of Captain Holt making those exact noises is just like to marshmallows. You got to love Boyle. I do, man, very much. Boyle's a special character. Right. He's a burrower. He's a burrower. Okay, so I'm going to get to my three and 3.5. And I was going back and forth because they're so similar in some ways. So I'm curious to see if you have either of these higher. And if you do, we'll save that one. But unless these are both in your top three, I'll get to talk about one of them. My top three are pretty different from each other at this point. Okay, so I doubt cool. I have both. Cool. Um, this is from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Both of them are from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Right. And they are the Hula Hoop, Cold Don't Open. Okay, and... Holt dancing in the park. Don't Holt have open. it. Oh, that's a good one, though. Yeah. Nice. I forgot about that one. I didn't yeah. even think of that one. That's right. a really good one. But they're very similar, right? Because if you remember the hula hoop one, he um, he shows up and he's got an injury. And they're like, you know, similar to the Martin. They're like, you know, like taking bets or whatever, trying to figure out what happened to Holt. And Holt comes back out of the house. He's like, imagine like you're all wondering what happened to me. He's like, I tripped over the sidewalk and hurt my wrist. And then he walks up to Jake Peralta and he goes, you want to know what really happened to me? <laughs> and he pulls out his phone and there's all these pictures of him hula hooping. He's like, Kevin and I have been taking hula hooping classes for fun and fitness. <laughs> so and he good. goes, what does he say? He says, like, I learned all the moves. Yeah, I mastered all the moves. The pizza toss, the tornado, 
the scorpion, the oopsie doodle. <laughs> and it's like pictures of him hula hooping. And he's like, why are you telling me this, Jake? And he goes, because no one will ever believe you. And then he deletes all <laughs> he the deletes pictures. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just so like out of character. It's just like that. Again, it's, it's, it's one of a couple times where Captain Holt knows the exact right way to torture Jake Peralta. Right. Yep. I, I love. Because I don't think this is the other instance you're referring to. So the other instance of torture that this reminds me of is when uh, he, Jake's running late yet again. So he learns a secret handshake with everyone else yeah. in the office but right. him. So yeah. like he does these like special unique handshakes with with Terry and with Santiago and Diaz and Charles and everyone. Right. Even like the delivery guy right. or some yeah, like right. random person has one. Yeah, like, and Jake's just sitting, Jake's just sitting there like narrating the names of all of them in torture <laughs> as he's just like watching Captain Holt do these hilarious yeah. handshakes. Right. Yeah. There. Those are in like the same vein of like mm-hmm. this. This will torture Peralta. Right, exactly. I mean, I, you know, and again, I might be beating a dead horse here, but like the hula hoop uh, cold open, it really just, it's a, a, you know, a window into this private life. And it's like, you see, these are my favorite generally. I think all of these, you know, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, The Office, they're all workplace comedies. So, so much of it takes place in the office or at the precinct. And to, you, when you get a, a glimpse of someone like that outside, it's just, like oh you take a hula hoop class or yeah. paint you know. 200 and some odd pictures of the same rock right yeah and uh, yeah and or this like guy parties you know and like it's like getting a glimpse into holt's like eating habits at home like when there's the episode where he's trying to bring uh diaz over and diaz and her boyfriend over and he calls kevin because he's not they're not going to come he's like yes i understand that you p- purchased two servings of rice or four yeah four servings of rice. oh that's a great idea we'll eat two now and we'll eat two later I love you too. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a funny scene. And then the other one, you know, this, the whole dancing, that's a, when there's a like break dancing uh, circle, I guess, going on in one of the New York City parks. And uh, and it, I don't know if it escalates because they're, the cops are there or something. Cause Holt, I think one of them, like, I think a limb, like, grazes, like, hold a Peralta, like, bumps into him lightly or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something escalates the situation. Something escalates it, and it starts to get a little a little testy. And uh, and then he's like, I will defuse the situation. And, be, and then starts dancing with them. And he's like, just, you know. Pretty, Doing, like, pretty good breakdancing moves. Yeah. And the entire time Jake's trying to video it and he can't, he can't open his phone or something like that. And, uh, it's like, do I capture it or do I stay in the moment? Right. Oh, God. He's like <laughs> yeah. trying to get his camera out, but like still look at the dancing. Yeah. And he finally gets it and then the whole turns around and goes, dancing over, situation diffused. <laughs> no. Yeah. The classic Jake Peralta. Right. No. Yeah. And then. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, great. So that's my three and 3.5. Lucky number 3.5. Nice. Uh, I want to rank the, uh, sitcom theme songs soon too. That's an, I know we've been doing a lot. Of, I do a lot of rankings around here, but I want to. I want to talk about the theme songs. They're just also fucking good. Nice, yeah. That one might wind up being the top of my list. Just mm-hmm. Those horns just get me, man. It's a groovy beat. Mm-hmm. It's a sick horn playing. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, my number three. Eh, uh, we're over to New Girl for Jessica Day's panties. Mm. This is an episode in which the three men. No, I'm sorry. By the, at this point, four men that live in the loft are sitting around, or three of the four are. And Winston, the guy who I mentioned, becomes a super fucking weirdo. Walks into the room and and is like, "Nick, I'm gonna move Jess's panties." And Nick and Jess are a couple at this point in time. 
And he's like, okay, why are you being weird about it? Like, he doesn't, like, he doesn't care at all. And then they wind up in this conversation about how Winston's moved her panties hundreds of times. <laughs> and then it's like, why are you moving your panties so much? Are you just waiting around the dryer, just uh, waiting to carry your panties? And then uh, Schmidt's just saying the word panties in a super weird way every time. It's like, oh, with the panties. And it's just like, it, it escalates in such an absurd way. And then Jess and her best friend Cece walk into the apartment and all of them are like standing around the dryer with like huge sticks and nets and trying to like get them out with like 10 foot long poles so no one touches the panties. <laughs> I'm just like, what are you guys doing? And, and oh, that's the whole funny. and that's the whole cold open. Jess is Zoe Deschanel, right? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. And she was in Brooklyn Nine Nine. There's a crossover. Yeah, that they happens. do a crossover of the shows. So that'll be a, that'll app- be exciting for my eventual watch of New Girl. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. The the B Nine Nine stuff on New Girl is funny. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene with Jess and Captain Holt. There's a scene with Jess and Gina. Cool. Um. And no, I think the other side of that. Oh yeah, and there's a scene with Charles and Nikolaj. Oh, cool. Huh. Nice. Good. I remember. Yeah, I know the the Brooklyn Nine Nine one well when they're in the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You spilled my soup. <laughs> yeah. My criminal got away. Which one's worse? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I actually. I'm debating if I want to flip my number one and two at this point. Last second ranking change. Because I've been thinking about it and I'm going to do it now. Because like like we said earlier, we make our own rules. Damn right we do. We set them and we break them, baby. Yeah, baby. We're bad boys like that. Yeah, no, I won't. No, yes, I will. Okay, I'm going to break the rule. All right. So my number two, we hit on earlier the episode Stress Relief of the Office in which Dwight does the fire drill right at the beginning. And I distinctly remember watching this when it aired because it was the episode of The Office that had the slot right after the Super Bowl. I can't remember what year it was, but the Super Bowl ended and then it was The Office. And I, in the Office book I read, they're talking about how they knew they were going to have this huge uh, viewership. Yeah. You know, and so they wanted to have something that was snappy, that caught you without needing to know anything about the characters right from the beginning. And that episode as, an, as a whole... It's interesting because it sort of it really requires no background information on either or any of the characters going into it, so sure. that these Super Bowl, you know, yeah. watchers they can just, just want to hit some funny beats, right? And they did a great job. That's the same episode where in the CPR class, Dwight is uh, cutting off the face of the man of the dummy, just like a <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. Um, but the cold open that we're talking about is. Just absolute chaos, basically from the beginning, where Dwight decides to use a blowtorch, where he he fakes a fire. I mean, he, yeah. he actually does light a fire well, yeah, <laughs> to he, fake he, a fire drill. He, yeah, he makes a fake fire drill by starting a real fire and torching all the metal door handles so they're all right. flaming hot. So all of the door and, handles. So everyone's on. freaking out and thinking they need to escape an actual yeah. burning building. Right, and he, yeah, right. He and The way he lights the fire is he has a cigarette in his hand and he goes, today's smoking's going to save lives. <laughs> and throws it into like a trash can full of paper. <laughs> and just like the amount of of just insanity that that leads to. It's pretty long cold open. Oh, it's a long one. Cause yeah, you got like someone tries to crawl through the ceiling and then falls back through. It, yeah. Someone's trying to like smash one of the windows open with a chair when they're on like a fourth story of a building. Yeah. Like it's yeah. just full scale right. chaos breaks out once they discover the door handles are hot right. and they can't yeah. get out. Right. 
He's like, and then, then there's like Dwight's like dropping firecrackers and stuff throughout, and Andy's goes, "The fire's shooting at us." <laughs> um, and then my favorite, my, it's such a quick cut, but it's, it's Oscar's the one who's up in the ceiling. He manages to get up there. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't remember right. who got up there. And yeah. So Oscar goes, and then Angela goes, "Save Bandit!" and pulls a cat out of her file cabinet, <laughs> and then throws it up to Oscar, and you just see the cat go up into the ceiling, and then like. Four feet over, just drop through the paneling of the ceiling onto the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's a great one. I mean, it's just so good. It's, it's I mean, it's uh, high production, different yeah. flavor. That's gonna be a really fun super fan episode when we get to when we. That's a season six episode, right? I think so. Yeah, that's gonna be fun when we get to the next season of Superfans. Yeah, because I bet that I, I'm I'm willing to bet there's an even longer version of this oh, fire drill. Yeah, maybe just like, like maybe with even, even more craziness. What if they just put the whole Super Bowl at the beginning, so you get the impact? <laughs> just like a four-hour cut of this right. episode. Right, I remember that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> just like watching a game you've already seen. Super fan episode. Right. That reminds yeah, me. It really gives you the experience right. Office fans got that right. night. This that sort of reminds me of. This isn't a, a this isn't a sitcom, but the show Nathan for you. There's a, one of the schemes in it is the man zone where women can shop at the store, and they he builds like a room for the boyfriends to hang out in in the back, and it's got like a football phone and like you know it's just like totally like stereotypically manned out. And he goes and he sits down with these guys, these real people who come in, and he's like, "What's up, dude? Like you want to watch some royalty free football?" And he's like throw, throws on these old football games and they're sitting there with like a beer watching it. And he's like, great, great touchdown celebration coming up. Big tackle coming up. Like, he's seen the game. <laughs> 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 it's a funny bit. It's funny, yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, uh, outstanding. So you downgraded that from your one to your two last Saturday. I did, yes, nice. it's true. Man, I'm excited to see what the new one is that took over the throne for you there. Yeah. I had that too low at six. So really, I guess at eight because I had two fives <laughs> and two fours. Right. But yeah, yeah. wow. All right. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, my number two, and I know you knew this was coming, is Backstreet Boys. Yep. And that's the other one I deliberately left off. I, that was that was what I assumed. When you told me there was two, I was like, all right, yep. back, BSB. The amount of times that you and I have talked about it. it I mean, this quite this, a bit. To me, this is as good as a cold open can possibly be. Like, I had a tough time between this and my number one, and I narrowly slid this to two. But it's just so fucking funny and perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's one of the most well-known moments of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yep. like, broadly speaking. Right. It's Jake Peralta sitting on the other side of a soundproof barrier, mirror, two-way mirror thing, with five people in one of those classic like lineup things which do they do this in real life i would who are the four innocent know. people that are like yeah i'll come just like hang out at a fucking uh police office and just like stand right. there and wait for yeah. someone to maybe say i look like someone who killed somebody right like where do, do they you get, get these people do they get paid yet? yeah I, actually if they get or, paid i would sign up for that that yeah. sounds like a pretty cool or maybe job. they're all suspects because they're actual suspects because they fit the description i guess yeah so you're just like sitting in a holding cell and they're like come with me you're doing in another lineup i've done like five lineups in the past hour man why am i doing all these (laughs) right so anyway that's always been a question of mine been broadly when you see police lineups in Mm -hmm. television shows but this one gets the sweet sweet payoff because jake's asking this woman questions and he goes 
I saw him singing uh, karaoke. And he's like, okay, okay, what song was he singing? Or what was he singing? And she's like, Backstreet Boys. He's like, I'm familiar. Uh, do, do you know what song by the Backstreet Boys? And uh, I, she says, I want it that way. So Jake goes, number one, please sing the beginning of I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. And all five of these gentlemen are like, at least moderate level singers. And he basically has them go down the line and do like small parts of verses until they get to the chorus. And he winds up at a big crescendo-y chorus of all five of these men singing I Want It That Way together by the Backstreet Boys while in a jail identification lineup. And then right afterwards, the woman who Jake was with goes, number five, it was number five who killed my brother. And Jake just goes, I forgot why we were here. Hit the music. But it's just, it's it feels good. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. It's such a clever use of being set in a police station. Like, uh, it's, it's in the upper echelon of ways they use them being a cop show. Right. And it also includes a lot of the themes that we've been talking about. The quick cut from, like, that's the one that killed my brother. You know, and then... Oh, I forgot oh, what we were doing here. You know, it's like right there. You get the quick cut. You get the complete flip of the script. Like, it seems like a fun thing. You know, yeah. the contrast there. It really has got it all. And you get yeah. to hear... They actually sing pretty well. Yeah, all five especially, guys are pretty good. Especially number five, yeah. the killer. Number five comes in with like a really hot vocal <laughs> right. run. Yeah. And then they all do it. Right. Oh, yeah. And also Jake's delivery of chills. Right. Literal right. chills. Yeah. Right. I was yeah. like, have you gotten to the finale of B99? I've watched... Yeah, I've watched all of it. So... In the finale, when they, when they talk about how he's been trying to recapture that moment ever since, yeah, and it's just like a bunch of really failed attempts at different right. songs and stuff, and like, <laughs> of course, Jake would try to get this moment to happen uh-huh. again. It's like it goes to show mm-hmm. the great things in life, man, right. are not duplicatable. That's right, and then also, you know, one of my favorite like sort of running gags on Brooklyn Nine Nine also involves music with Jake's interrogation technique of strumming the chord on the acoustic guitar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <Just> screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Has that ever worked? I don't, I don't know why I keep thinking it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He tries, though. Yeah. 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 That's my number two. Okay. So here we go. Lucky number, number one. One. one, one, one the one. number one stunner. What, 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 what? So my number one is not actually from a sitcom. It's from the movie Failure to Launch, starring Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> And Zoe Deschanel from New Girl, so I guess it applies. <laughs> and it's the entire movie. <laughs> Perfect. Right, because the credits don't go until the end. <laughs> JK, y'all. JK. Hopefully face. y'all are lolling out there. Maybe even rolling on. Anyways, number one for me, Parks and Recreation, the episode Animal Control. This is a dark horse, and it made its way to number one. Okay. Dark Horse to number one. I actually forgot about this one until I was doing my research um, and came across it. And I chose it for a number of reasons. One, it's hilarious. It's chock full of amazing jokes. Contains a couple of my favorite characters and also showcases the comedic talents of one of the executive producers and writers of Parks and Rec, who's a personal, I wouldn't say uh, role model, but a hero of mine, Horace Whittles. Are you familiar with the name? Yeah. Uh, the fish fan, right? Yeah. So for those of you unfamiliar with Horace Whittles, you can catch him in a couple different episodes of Parks and Rec as a, either a citizen or a member of the animal control team. And he's with often... With his stoner best friend. Yes, with his stoner best friend. And there are, uh, he's often wearing a fish t-shirt, the band Fish, with a PH, who Derek and I will be going to see next Wednesday, one of my favorite bands. Hopefully that does not dissuade certain viewers from listening to more podcasts. I know that Fish has a reputation amongst... Yeah, 
yeah. some of you guys. We just but, like to listen to music, yeah. and we still love these pot, this uh, sitcom world too. Right. Um, can, we're multifaceted humans. Another quick side note about Harris: If you're into the podcasting world, there's a, and if you don't like fish or like fish, actually, it's a hilarious show podcast called Analyze Fish, in which Harris Whittles tries to convince Scott Ackerman that fish is good. And it's just like six episodes of it. They wind up at a fish show. It's just, he never, I don't think he ever concedes that they're good. He's just like, this is not good. <laughs> the yep. entire time. Yep. Oh, it's, yeah, it's not for everybody, folks. It's not for everyone. Just for us. So they're... Yeah, tell me more about this scene. This cold I, open. I recall this scene. It's a, okay, it's a so great one. They show up. Um, they Leslie and Chris Traeger show up at Animal Control for some reason. And it's just this kind of back and forth between Horace and his friend, who I, I can't remember what, what the actor or the character's name is right now. Um, sort of like walking them through their workstation. And there's I've written down a couple of the great jokes in here. And Horace, it starts off with Horace, and he's just so, he's like super excited to show them this. He's like, and this is a note card where I wrote my dog name idea, Bark Obama. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's funny. And then there's also like a dead bird, like glued to the wall with a rope hanging down from it. And they talk about how they're they were trying to, um, <laughs> they're trying to recreate the bird work whistle from the Flintstones, but <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> so they just have a dead bird like, with a rope hanging from it. Um, I I, th- I think his name is Harris, not Horace, for the record. Okay, Harris. Cool. Got it. But anyway, continue forth. Um. So there's a couple more. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of, no, there's a lot of jokes in this. There's a lot of great, yeah. yeah. Um, they at one point Leslie's introducing them like they're really bad at the, at their job. They're really terrible at catching animals, but they're great at inge- ingesting and selling marijuana. <laughs> Just like hi, um, and then you know Chris is trying to be like he's trying to tell Leslie that like they're probably you know that we have to trust them. They're they're hired here. They're probably good at what they do, and he says there's more than one way to skin a cat. And Harris's friend goes, there are four. There are four ways to skin a cat. <laughs> uh, so that guy, so that guy, Harris's friend, uh-huh. winds up becoming one of the uh, series leads on Superstore. Okay. Have you ever watched that show? I have n- I've watched a little bit of it, but it's it a middle of the pack workplace comedy. He's in it. Uh, he's a main character. Oh, uh, he's in a cool. wheelchair, but he's he's a he's a main character of the entire series. He's funny. Uh, in Parks yeah, and he's Rest. a series le- he's a series lead on every episode of yeah. the whole show. He was actually why I I was like I'll give this a try. Sure. Right. Cool. Um, I've actually seen that whole series. I don't know that I'd recommend it or not recommend it. It's mm-hmm. like right in the middle. For me, right. Where I'm like I had some I had some funny episodes, uh-huh. but it's not as consistent as Parks and stuff. There, as, but it's got some passing moments here and there that are really. really I've seen good. it compared to, or at least one character I've seen people online compare this female character to Dwight. Oh, she's like a one. She's a Dwight ripoff. Like okay. she's like a one for one Dwight ripoff. The only difference is that she doesn't have like a weird idolatry thing with the main manager, where Dwight uh, idolizes Michael. She thinks he's an idiot and wants to take his job the whole time. Okay. Gotcha. As like the one key difference, right? And other and like every Dwight other and way, Ryan combined. yeah. In every other way, she's Dwight. Okay, gotcha. Uh, going further, I'm almost out of these jokes, but that when Chris is walking away after the uh, skin a cat line, he steps steps into a, a, an active coyote trap that's just sitting there in the in the office, and then he his response it snaps is, on his foot. Right, snaps on his foot and goes, "This is one of my running feet." <laughs> And then he fires both of then them. Then he fires both of them, and they go, the uh, whatever the non-Harris character goes, it's like, oh, word, like, okay, like, we should, 
let's go to Jamaica. And then Harris goes, dude, we should go to Jamaica. Oh, is that what you just said? Oh, no way. <laughs> That's so trippy. Yeah. I, also, I also like that later in the episode after the cold open, uh, they apply for their own jobs right. without realizing it was the same job. Right. And, and then, then they run, run into, into each other. other and they're like, oh, we're roommates. Right. Yeah. Like, like, this is so crazy. Oh, word. That's so crazy, man. Yeah. I think the last time we see those guys, because I think the final episode or maybe the penultimate episode of Parks and Rec is dedicated to Harris because at that point he had elevated himself to one of the head writers or producers. Yeah. Um, but one of the last times we see them in the entire series. Harris becomes a city councilman in the flash forwards in the finale. Oh, right? he does? I think Maybe he's he like, does. I think he's in like, it's like <laughs> him and uh, Debbie Mar or what's, what's the porn star's name? Oh, yeah. Brandy, Brandy Max. Max. Yeah. H- him and Brandy Max are like both sitting on the city council because <laughs> uh, he announces Mayor Gurgich is like 15th term before he dies. Mm-hmm. That, that's when you see that he's on city council. Okay, got it. He's like part of the city council and he's like, and eh, for like the 14th time. Right, yeah. Mayor Gurgich. Uh, right. Oh, that is Harris. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was thinking of, I think it's the episode where they, towards the end of the series when they're on that big scavenger hunt with Ron, who's amazing at scavenger hunts. And they go into, like, the basement of City Hall or something, and Harris and his buddy are just down there with, like, this huge contraption over Harris's head. And Andy's like, what are you guys doing? Or they're like, what are you guys doing? And, and he's like, we're trying to see how, how much we can squish his head without popping it. <laughs> and Andy just goes, like, mmm, that's a dangerous game. <laughs> like, he's done it before. Yeah. Like, yeah. been there, dangerous game. Been there. <laughs> Yeah, so that's my number one. Dude, you know? So dark horse number one, but I love it. It's, it's like like you mentioned, it's, there's a lot of jokes packed in there. Yeah, and then you get a big payoff moment. Mm-hmm. Chris getting his yeah. well, that's one of my running feet. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh love it. Ah, oh, man, love that. That's great. Uh, my number one is also from Parks. Great. Um, and I think that you mentioned this on your list earlier. Ron pulls his own tooth. Yep. It's just so funny. It just works so well. It's it's it continues to define the character of Ron. Um, it's in a top three episode of that show, which is the surprise wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's how that surprise wedding starts. In fact, uh, also Michael Schur shows sure love to love love to use a fake tooth if they have an actor who has one. Oh, uh, right, yeah. yeah Gina, Does he actually Gina have a Brooklyn Nine Nine? Right. Yes, that I found that out. That is a, he. Uh, Nick Offerman does have mm. a tooth. He can that. Beautiful. So. That must have been the thing the writers room found out. They're like, oh, this is perfect. Right. Yeah. And he reminds them, or no, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of a different one. I'm thinking but, of a different. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. You're the, I know which one you're thinking of. Well, we can mention that here in a second because it's funny. But, yeah. So, there's they are sitting in a just like a group meeting and Leslie's doing her thing and rambling on. And Ron just looks bored as sin and kind of is like grimacing like he's in pain. And then he just pulls a pair of pliers out. Upon the mention of the word recycling. <laughs> yeah, they start talking about recycling. Yeah. yeah, good to note. So Ron just pulls his pair of pliers out and puts it around his tooth. And you see like Anne and Tom noticing. And they're both just like, no, no, don't. And he just fucking yanks out his own tooth. And everyone just like bolts. Just right. like yeah. five Except people get up Leslie. and run out. Yeah. Leslie's just like, whoa. Yeah. And, and then it cuts to him doing like the little confessional thing. And what does he say? He's like, I actually got it pulled yesterday, right? But but it was sometimes it's good to remind people around you that you could pull your own. That teeth you're out. capable of withstanding a large amount of pain. Okay, yeah, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> that you're capable of withstanding a large amount of pain. Yes. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So the, funny. The one that I was thinking of is is when he's 
when he's purposefully t- calling people the wrong names. And he's like, it's sometimes they were getting a little chummy in here. It's, or, you know, it's good to uh, remind them that <laughs> you don't care. Yeah. He's got a couple different times that he does the chummy thing. Yeah, there's right. that. There's also he breaks the coffee pot and then gets them all debating over who broke the coffee pot. And he's like, I did it. Things has been a little chummy around yeah, here recently. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very, very true Very on trend Ron. But yeah, it's a, it's a... They come up with unique and funny ways... To start the show with Ron, mm-hmm. because he's just such an eccentric in the ways that he lives his life. Right, right. Wow, that's and this is a great. Yeah, that's a great one. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's our top tens, huh? Yeah, we did it, man. We uh, we we went through a top eleven and a top right. twelve, respectively, yeah, as right. top tens. <laughs> uh, we still have honorable mentions, and I only had one in the overrated category. Okay, I have two overrated and two honorable mentions. All right, hit me with one of your overrateds. The chili in oh, that's the mine. office. Really? That's hey. mine. I swear to God. Yeah, I think it's overrated. Like, it's kind of, like, it was funny the first time, but it's not, like, iconic office stuff to me. But it kind of has become that. Like, you, oh, see, you be- see, like, stickers and It's become and one of and... the most iconic office moments, and I think it's overrated. I do, too. I don't think it's very funny. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a physical element to it that it's kind I of I laughed silly. a little bit the first time. I think Kevin has many funnier moments on the show than that. And I yeah. think it's the. I think that's become the most synonymous Kevin moment from the show. Yeah, and that's a shame. It is a shame. Yeah. The whole episode where he's trying to get Pam to lactate because he heard that new mothers <laughs> will leak milk when they hear a baby cry. And he's just like walking around crying like a baby. And then it works at the end. Yeah, right. Yeah. That episode, Kevin's bringing the goods in every scene of that episode. One of my favorite Kevin... Kevin moments of maybe my favorite kevin moment is the episode uh where oscar comes out or i guess michael outs yeah michael oscar. outs oscar yeah and you just like it's just like a talking head and it's just kevin giggling <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a great one yeah just immature yeah. just at the word gay he's just yeah. like giggling i know yeah i love it the, yeah. the uh the other honorable mention that i had is uh no it's not we're doing overrated yeah right? other okay. overrated is the parkour from The Office. Oh, yeah. I've, you know, I didn't even think about that when I was thinking of good or bad. It mm-hmm. just didn't cross my mind. But, yeah, that's not a very funny one. And, you know, it's one of those things where I catch myself if I hear the word parkour. I do it, too. I just go, parkour! You know? Same. But I don't really think it's particularly funny. Yeah, and it just, might it, just be that that's a, a mass effect happening, that when people hear the word parkour now, that's their reaction. Sure. You know? But it just seems to me like it's reference. It's kind of like when... I I thought I all right when Napoleon Dynamite came out, for I saw it in theaters, thought it was funny, didn't think it was like one of the greatest things or anything, just kind of thought it was funny, mm-hmm. it was fine, and then for about four months of life of my life afterwards, all my friends and people around me were just quoting Napoleon Dynamite all the right. time. Yeah. So it's just forever like I fucking hate that movie now. Right. When like I thought it was pretty funny the first time I saw it. It's a but shame. then I spent four months of it being overquoted to me. Right. And now I just can't think of it in a positive light because it just got just buried. Right. Yeah. And I think this parkour is in that category. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a shame how how you know the culture can do that to something something that yeah. on its own may or may not be the greatest thing in the world yeah, but it's but it decent, funny you know yeah. if you could eliminate the entire response of the you know the world from napoleon dynamite that movie would be more enjoyable yeah. than it is yep. you know um yeah people got too excited about it yeah right yeah, I think that's all I really got to say about parkour. Yeah, that's fine. We we can dive back to honorable mentions, ones that we did like, just didn't quite make the top ten. Good, good, good. So honorable mentions. You want to? You said you have one or two. 
Um, you have three, four. Let's see. I have four, but I'm going to cut it down a bit. Okay. Um, I got two. One of which I have three, but one of it was the yeah, I want it that way because uh, I, I'm going to go down to three. So I've got because I have two from Office, two from uh, B99, and one from Parks. So I'm just going to go down to one of each. Cool. So we'll do like you, me, you, me, you. Sounds great. Uh, from the Office, Asian Jim. <laughs> we mentioned earlier that all the times that the show opens with a gym prank yep. are uh, stronghold opens, and this is right in that category of just like they replace all the pictures <laughs> and everything, and then Asian Jim comes in and kisses Pam, and everyone just reacts like they know him, right. and that's all just with the express purpose of making Dwight think he's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> perfect stuff. Whoever that uh, actor is is also he's oh funny. he's very funny. Yeah. Uh, Randall Parks. Randall Parks. He's in yeah. a number of I've seen him. I've seen him around. He's on the rise. He's mm-hmm. been a, he's been getting a lot of good work the past like five six years now. He's really starting to pop into a lot of things. He's been in a couple Marvel things now. Like oh. he's like doing his thing, man. He's cool. Like, he's not like a hero character, but he's got like he's got a funny supporting role in the things he's done. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's a good man. Uh, it's cool to see a re- actor on the rise. Right. That's a classic one. Yeah. Asian Jim. Asian Jim. That's my first of three. Okay. Um, Debating if I want to do my Parks and Rec or The Office. I'll switch it up. So Parks and Rec, the parents just don't understand. Cold opening with Leslie Leslie Nope. Very good one. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, she does the entire first verse. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's the, is the dedication to that much of the song that makes it funny. Cause yeah. it's not funny right away. And then once you're deeper into the raps, you're just like, all right, right. that's pretty fucking good. And then it just ends, you know, the parents just don't understand. And everyone starts clapping. And then Ron, who's been not entertained by this at all, just like someone's on fire in Ramsett Park. <laughs> and they need you down there right away. Someone is on fire. <laughs> Someone is on fire. Yep. Oh, yeah. My Great cold open. Yep. Uh, that's like beginning of season two, right? That's I think like, it's very uh, early. Yeah. It's like, it's the gay penguin episode. Is that what it is? It's like the first episode of season two. I think it is. I think it's the uh-huh. gay penguin episode. That's a great episode. Like yeah, great. That's uh, that's where Parks like that's the beginning of Parks going from good to great. Mm-hmm. People always say it's season three, and I think that's because of the addition of Ben and Chris. Right. But like, I think season two is fucking great. Right. I think they do. Do they come in at the end? It's of like season the two? very. It's like two episodes right. of season two, and then mm-hmm. they're fully in for three. Right. Do you remember when Chris is at the gay bar that's introduced in? Uh... The gay penguin episode, and yeah. he's like so so nice to everyone hitting on him. It's like let me buy you guys drinks for being so welcoming. Oh, it's so <laughs> and it's yeah, and Anne's just sitting there smiling because she's starting to get a crush on him. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love Chris Traeger. And they moved to Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is where we were recording oh, yeah. this right now. That's yeah. a true story. Sitting here live in Ann Arbor, I'll keep hoping to run into Chris Traeger or mm-hmm. Ann Perkins, and have not right or their little baby. Yeah, like well, I don't know if I'd recognize the baby Perkinses. If the last name was Traeger, I would be suspicious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Or Perkins Traeger. Perkins Traeger. Traeger Perkins. Right. Mm. Well, either way, haven't run into any of them that I know of, but that that was a cool little touch at the end there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, that's where we live. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's nice. nice. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll stick with Parks with my second one here. Okay. Um, and it is when Andy is moving, is coming back from London. And he can't get his sleep schedule right. So it's just him, like, falling asleep in the middle of the day and, like, mowing the lawn at night. And April's just, like, talking about how sick of it that she is, it is uh, how sick of it she is. Um, and she, like, walks into the house and is about to spray him with a hose when he wakes up. And he's like, were you about to spray me with that hose? 
She's like, yeah. He's like, I kind of want you to do it anyway. And then they just start like, spraying each other with a garden hose in, the, in their living room. Right, yeah. It's a funny scene. Yeah, good stuff. Good. Uh, oh, yeah. The fucking, uh, uh, the other part of it is that he's on the riding lawnmower. And at like the middle of the night, and April comes out. She's like, Andy! It's like, babe, get me a beer! <laughs> okay! Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's all funny. There's a, yeah. few, there's a few beats within it. Uh-huh. But it's, yeah, it's a funny one. Yeah, that's the same episode where he doesn't want to go back, right? And he's like, like hiding. Yeah, from he her. like jumps in the dumpster. <laughs> he's like, tells her he's about to fly back. I think yeah. those are the same. I think it is too. Um, so my final contribution to this conversation is my last honorable mention, which was the episode of The Office where Michael has been watching The Devil Wears Prada on his Netflix subscription back when they used to mail DVDs back and forth. So Pam always knows what he's watching. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> he's imitating the characters. So it's just like him being a he's like, he loves Meryl Streep, so he's been watching. He yeah. thinks she's the... He thinks she's the hero, so he's being a jerk to Pam at the beginning. Yeah. He, and when he finally gets through the end, he's like, I owe you an apology. Right, yeah. And he's like, some of the things he yells is just so funny. He's like, in his office, he's like, steak! Where's my steak? <laughs> get me Milan! Right. right. Get Armani on the phone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah, get Armani on the phone. Right. And then he comes in, and he's like, so... Turns out that Meryl Streep was not the good guy. And I'm sorry. And then... And then what is it? he says something like he's like son of one of my babushka or whatever it is and she's trying to figure out she's like oh million dollar baby and then you see her her face like kind of think about it and she's like he's gonna try and kill me <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's a great one great honorable mention sir uh, and that'll take me into my last honorable mention. I'm actually going to do both the Brooklyn Nine-Nine ones real quick because they're both really good. One is when Holt walks in wearing that red hat and everyone's just like staring at him as he walks through. And he's like, I was trying something out. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just it's funny. Yeah, it's quick. Right. Yeah. And another one that just like directly after the joke, straight into the music. Yeah. Just like, uh, and the other one, uh, this one I actually came really close to making my top 10. This was the hardest one that I for me to cut uh-huh. uh diane, diane weast infection yep. i had a feeling yeah yep. <laughs> i got a diane weast right. infection yeah. <laughs> and then jake just stares at him so deadpan yeah and and it's a, it's funny because it's such a long beat right it takes such yeah. a long beat uh before he goes like yeast yeah, and right. Then, yeah. Yeah. right quick yeah. cut jump cut quick cut we're in but yeah, that, uh, that's I had a, a classic t- one. It was the hardest one to leave outside the top ten for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually, I there wasn't one that I left off my overrated that is Brooklyn Nine Nine. Since we're yeah, hit me yeah, know, yeah, sure. Which was the it's the Babushka one where they're all saying words. Babushka. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know. I don't think it's overrated because I don't think it's particularly rated. Fair enough. But I, that one just like oh, it never enough. leaves me. Like, um, you know, it's one of those that it doesn't strike me as much now that I, and the rewatching of my of the show. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking it was funny the first time around, but right. yes, it's not like it's not one of the funnier ones. It's that one... the actress, the woman who's wearing the babushka, she makes a return. She's in like more than one episode. Yep, right? yeah. and she was the original Jenna Maroney in Thirty Rock, oh. and, the, and like the pilot before they ended up reshooting the pilot. But she's Whoa. old friends with Tina Fey from Chicago, and they they created it together. And then the NBC was like, no, we don't like her <laughs> as jenna and they yeah. re- rewrote the character yeah interesting right yeah I love would have been a different show love with her little tidbits yeah that would have been a very different show yeah. um yeah what's her name that plays jenna maroney i i can't picture replacing um, her on 30 rock yeah 
I was I was having the same issue with her name recently. Oh, yeah. She, she, uh, she's a, she's Jane Krakowski. Jane she's Krakowski. In, yeah. She's in um the um, other Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Oh, she lied, damn it! Right. It's a miracle. That could be in that. That's another contender for theme song. That's yeah. a catchy theme song. That's a catchy ass theme song. Unbreakable. They're alive, damn it. It's a miracle. Yeah, right. Then females are strong uh, as hell. hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really funny show. Yeah. Um, I didn't ever finish that. I got a confession. Me, me neither. There. Yeah. I was enjoying it, and then it just kind of, it got to a point where it just felt hyper repetitive, so I was just kind of out. Mm-hmm. There's so many 30 Rock actors. I think it's Tina Fey show, isn't it? It's a Tina Fey show, yeah. Right, because you have Titus. Who Titus Andromedon. Right, and he's in 30 Rock as the, uh, he's one of Angie's friends, like yep. the fashion guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's hilarious in that, and Jane Krakowski, obviously. And then John Hamm is is in both of them, too. John Hamm will fucking do anything, it seems like. He is like, so funny. People will, people just offer him things. He'll, it seems like he'll literally take any gig out there. He's like, mm-hmm. fuck it, yeah, I'll do it. Have right, you, sure. have, you watch Curb? Are you a Curb fan? Um, I've never watched Curb. No, oh. I gotta get on that because I always hear it's very funny. But yeah. no, I've never watched it. He has a great Curb episode, and then his his character at the beginning of the final season of Parks and Rec yeah, is just. He's like, if anyone wants to yeah. hang out, I will. Thank be you at for the Subway. literal <laughs> hundreds of chances, Leslie. I understand why you have to fire me. Right. Yeah. It's like that guy's so nice, yeah. but he's one of the most incompetent people I've right. ever met in my yeah. life. And after he's fired, yeah. He's, if anyone wants to hang out, I'll be at Subway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. But uh, we've been rolling for quite a while now, and I know you got things you got to do. I, I do. feel like we've covered all the topics we wanted to about cold opens and stuff. Yeah. Um, if you've been enjoying what you've been hearing on this very recording, make sure to like and follow and subscribe and click five stars and throw some comments in the sections. Do all those things that all the podcasters out there tell you to do because they're helpful. And uh, they help young, aspiring podcasters like us, or in my case, just aspiring podcasters, sans the young part. But... Uh, <laughs> Help uh, helps do the things and set the and uh, push the things forward. Also, make sure to check out all the other good fun media offerings. We got Morons of the Multiverse, cutting it up about all things Marvel fandom, along with various nerddom adjacent topics such as the DC and other things of that nature. Uh, make sure to check out D2B2 Sports with a wide variety of sports gambling analysis and a whole bunch of weird comedy talking about what video game characters we would draft it to form a football team and spending an hour and a half getting drunk and watching Caddyshack and just talking about the movie and doing things like that, you know, so some variety in the sports fandom spectrum over there. But uh, we appreciate your time here at After the Laugh Track and we want you to know we think you're all very sexy, number one, good times, and we hope you listen again. Peace. <laughs>